Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Free Your Story, Free Your Life. My name is Amy Kocek, and this episode is pretty much a introduction of who I am, why I'm doing this, and what this is all going to be about, which should be easy because I don't really know. So I, I started traveling, um, gosh, the end of June. So I was living in St. Pete, Florida. I had been living there for close to five years. And I started to get this itch to travel. And I decided to not renew the lease on my apartment. I gave away everything in my apartment and packed my clothes, a couple other essentials, along with my little dog, Marley. And I decided to travel. And I've been on the road for a little over two months. And when I first left, I had all these plans. I was like, oh, this is perfect. I'm gonna, when I get on the road, I'm gonna blog, I'm gonna document, I'm gonna share photos, I'm gonna do it all. Which was a great idea, but it didn't incorporate so many things that I've been discovering on this journey. And these are things that I hope to share with you along with sharing my story and just giving you the opportunity to have a little piece of what's going on in my life. And hopefully the things that are going in my life parallel the things that are going on in your life. And um, you can benefit from this conversation. Plus I just like telling stories. And if you like to listen to them, then join along. But one of the major reasons why I decided to do it this way is because it allows me just to free flow talk and um, give you the opportunity to talk back to me, which is always fun because I love engaging with my story along with hearing other people's story. So I want to give you a little bit of a background and a context for why I'm traveling, why I decided to do what I'm doing, and even what exactly am I doing, which once again, I don't really know which is the beautiful part about life and about my life. But to just give you a little bit more of a background for what motivated me to actually take the drastic measures to travel and just, I don't know. It's not like a restart of my life at all. It was more so just a, um, a big, a big leap, a big jump. So for 33 years, I grew up in a very strict, fundamentally religious Christian household. And the religion that I was a part of for all those years was Pentecostal, specifically Apostolic Pentecostal, which you're probably thinking, what's the difference? I mean, I don't know. Um, but just to give you a, an idea of what my life looked like, it was very strict, especially um, along the lines of being a woman. So um, from the standpoint of being a woman in that environment, um, very, very strict dress code, couldn't wear pants, couldn't wear makeup. Um, sleeves had to be a certain length. If um, you could only wear skirts and the skirts had to be a certain length, which was specifically below the knee. Um, no jewelry. So the first time I got my ears pierced, I was literally 33 years old, um, which I'll have to tell you that story someday. But very, very strict, um, very much control-based, um, manipulation-based, um, ended up just being for me a very um, a very spiritually abusive environment. And for the majority of my life, I felt like 
everything that I did revolved around religion and revolved around the people of that religion and the actual organization and the building. So at a very young age, I was giving hours of my time to that location. And of course, that's very encouraged and praised. You know, you want to be involved in some sort of ministry. So I was um, singing on the choir and then eventually singing on the praise team. And then I was teaching Sunday school and I was doing the greeters. And then when I moved to Tennessee, I became even more engrossed in it. Like almost every day, something along the lines of church was happening in my life. And that was it. That was, that was the life, the choice. Um, and there wasn't really anything outside of that. So I remember when I graduated high school and I was in college and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. But even going to college, I wanted to go away. For some reason, I had chose Arizona. I was like, oh, I want to go to Arizona. And the, the undertone of me wanting to leave was you shouldn't leave because we were taught that, you know, when you go to a college campus, these liberals, they're going to they're going to convince you to be atheists. And so many people, so many young kids will, um, you know, when they get to the age of college level, they forsake their religion and they go crazy, which I mean, usually just meant that they became free thinkers and were able to make their own decisions. But of course, that's not how it was communicated. Um, so when I wanted to go away, it was like, I allowed the voices of other people. And to be honest, like my own voice, I never want to make it sound like I was a victim of this, of this um, environment because we are the creators of our own reality. So I was creating that at the same time. So I didn't go away to college, stayed at home, became even more committed to the church and to the building. And then as I was in college, this unrest and I'm like, God, I want to get out of here. I want to go. And um, started researching, like, teaching English in another country. So, like, I'm, like, I get this dream of, like, I want to go to Prague. I want to teach English in Prague. And it was, like, I would kind of present this to people, and it would be, like, uh, I don't know. I mean, like, where are you going to go to church if you go there? And, like, what's going to happen to you? So then I was, like, okay, I can't do that. And then um, when, I, when I got to the point of graduating college, and I was getting ready to like settle, you know, like settle in Indiana. I was born and raised in Indiana. So I was getting ready to settle and it was like searching for a job, but couldn't find a job there. So it was like perfect opportunity for me to just leave, you know, leave that environment and start something new. So when I moved to Nashville and I got my first teaching job out of college because I went to college to be a high school English teacher. So I got my first teaching job and when I was, when I was teaching, I, I still felt like some sort of an itch to like spread my wings and like, I don't know, make independent decisions. It was like, I got so scared because I was only used to being in like an incubator of being fed my choices and my decisions and anything that I was thinking about doing, I was sharing with people. And a lot of people that I was sharing it with had like a very similar, like constrained mentality. And so much was run by fear, you know, which I have found in the religious world has to be the foundation. It has to be fear because fear is what can, what allows you to control. And so much within those environments is based in control. And this isn't necessarily a, a bash on religion because 
it works for some people. That environment works for some people. So I'm just sharing with you my experience and the way that I experienced that environment, which doesn't take away from the way that you experience it or the way that you experience that environment. I celebrate your journey just as much as I hope you celebrate mine. So even when I got to Nashville, it was like I immediately gravitated towards what I knew, which was the Pentecostal religion. So same teaching, same, because anything outside of that I was taught is wrong. Any belief outside of what we believe, any any environment that teaches even something slightly different, they're wrong. You don't even have to research it. They are wrong. So immediately gravitated toward that environment. So it was like, it was this dueling battle inside of me of like wanting adventure, wanting something bigger, but then at the same time feeling so locked in to this religion and this mindset and this lifestyle. And there was fear because it's like, if I, if I try to go outside these boundaries, I've seen what happens to people. Like from a young age, I was seeing the patterns of what was happening to people. That if people left the church building and they left the religion, and it was, it was very obvious in that environment because when you're growing up in that environment and you can only wear skirts and you're not cutting your hair and you're not wearing makeup or jewelry, it was like, when people would leave, especially women, you would automatically see some changes. So if it's like they're leaving and they're no longer wearing skirts and they're wearing pants, it's like, oh my God, clutch your pearls. Like on their way to hell, they are literally doing seances to Satan at night. You know, um, if they're wearing makeup, oh my God, like when they go home, they're praying to Satan. And I'm being a little facetious, but that's that's the level you know, like we called those people backsliders. They were labeled. And then the the tone is that, well, because they left this church and because they're doing things physically that I can see that we've always been taught was wrong, then they're living their life. They're not living their life for God. They've, they've, they've gone away. And they're, I mean, I could, I could do a whole podcast on these teachings of fear, control, manipulation. Because the idea is if you leave that environment, if you leave that church, if you leave that belief system, then um, when you're labeled a backslider, this mentality of like, well, now you're open and now now you're, um, you know, you are susceptible to Satan. You have no protection. And um, whether we wanted to admit it or not, we were shunning those people. We were cutting them off. And I saw that. I saw that from a very young age. So to even entertain the idea of leaving that environment or starting to make decisions that, that were against the organization, there was a lot of fear that went along with it because I understood the cost because I saw the cost that other people paid. And I thought, oh, I don't, I don't want to do that or that would be awful. So I held on and I held on and I held on. And it was like, it didn't matter how many times like my intuition would like rise up. And a lot of the rising up was just seeing one thing taught, but another thing lived. Because it's like the teaching that we're giving is this level of perfection and this level of like outward appearance that looked like you were spiritual or you had it all together. But then also seeing the humanity of people going against what was being taught. And even from a young age, I, I was always sincere. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it was about that lifestyle, but I was such a sincere kid to a sincere teenager. You know, like sometimes I tell 
some of my friends who didn't grow up the way I grew up, I'm like, you know, when you were in high school and you were going to to parties, when you're in college and you're partying with your friends and you're drinking and you're exploring your sexuality, like I'm thinking about my eternal soul at that age. Like I'm going to all night prayers. I'm knocking on your doors to invite you to a revival or to tell you that you're lost and going to hell. Do you want the plan of salvation? Like that's what I'm doing at those ages. You know, like when people are really discovering themselves and asking themselves the important questions about who they are and who they want to become, that was already established for me day one. Like I couldn't ask that question. Who am I? I am who this organization says I am. And we always say like, well, you are who God says you are. But the voice of God, I don't care how it was taught. The voice of God was communicated as the voice of your leaders and the voice of your mentors. Those are the voice of God. So I received my identity through people. I received my identity through an organization. I was like, even from the way I dressed, the way I did my hair, the way I represented myself as a woman, I received the blueprint of that from other people. And it was like, because that, that organization, that organization, or just sometimes religion in general becomes very people focused. You rest your knowledge about humanity on other humans who are perpetuating themselves as we are living above a standard. Like this is the standard of the world and the world is just anyone who doesn't believe what you believe and they're demonized. So it's like, we're living our lives above the standard of the world. And when you come into this building, this building is supposed to be a hospital and this is where, this is where you can be healed and you're gonna be loved unconditionally. And then what you realize is that humans are humans and we're not living above a standard that like behind closed doors, we're all human, we're all struggling. We're all insecure and no amount of spirituality or crying or reading words from the Bible are going to keep us from just being human. And it was like that environment I felt like it didn't let me be human. And um, it wasn't until it's interesting because it started happening at the end of 2015 into the full year of 2016 when something inside of me just would not rest. It was like there was this, like a the authentic voice of Amy, which I had spent so many years like telling her, just be quiet. Like these people don't wanna hear it. Cause you know, like from a young age, I was outspoken and saying like, something doesn't make sense here. Something about this environment doesn't make sense to me. Like I'm seeing this, I'm listening. I'm a listener, I'm avid note taker. And I'm a studier of people, always have been. And I would say things like, this just doesn't make sense to me. There's too many illogical connections. And my the response would be just have faith or you're just using your intellect and you're not having faith. Intellect and faith cannot exist together, which is a lie. Um, but um, like very much demonizing, you know, Amy, you're just too loud. You're you're a feminist, you're um, too abrasive, you're too opinionated, um, you're rebellious. God, if I had a dollar every time I heard that. Um, you know, like putting labels. So those labels were used to um, make me feel like something was wrong with me. So the more that I spoke out, the more that I felt like I was a bad person because the response was, like you just need to go to God. It sounds like it sounds like the devil has your mind. It sounds like you're bitter and upset. And in my mind, I'm like, no, I'm just holding people accountable to what they're telling me. 
I'm holding others accountable to the teaching I'm being given and to what I believe that we're saying we all believe. Like, because I'm, I feel like I'm sincere, you know, and obviously not perfect, but I'm sincere. And if you're telling me to do this, then I'm going to do this. Because I wasn't like a teenager that, you know, was going to church and like crying at the altar and then going home and like doing all the things that we weren't supposed to do. You know, like I wasn't sleeping around. I wasn't, I wasn't drinking. I wasn't doing drugs. And not to say that there was anything wrong with people that were doing it. And of course, around that age, I'm morbidly obese and very insecure. So that kind of plays into the fact of, um, I just, I wasn't like immersed in, um, in the opposite sex. Like I'm thinking like, I want all my friends to go to heaven and I want all my friends to be saved. So, um, just, feeling like I kept being disappointed over and over again and feeling like, what is this? Like, what is this? So in 2015, I had this like strong epiphany of like feeling like what I was being fed wasn't necessarily true. And what I had always been accepting at face value as true was really somebody else's interpretation and their opinion and their experience. And I felt like I was being lied to, not in a malicious way. It was just the nature of the system, that it's dependence upon somebody else, somebody else's wisdom, somebody else's knowledge outside of independent study that didn't have everybody else's voices inside my head. So I went on this journey. I was like, well, I'm going to figure this out for myself. I was like, I'm a very smart human being. I have very high reading comprehension. This is what I do for a living. Like I teach English. I teach reading comprehension. I'm going to figure this out for myself. So I went about like this like intense spiritual journey. Like I was fasting like crazy, which if you don't know in the spiritual religious world, this is like when you when you don't eat and you just dedicate yourself to prayer and reading your Bible and focusing on God. So I'm like fasting like I've never fasted before. I'm reading, but I'm not just reading the scriptures. I'm reading the entire chapter where the scriptures are located to get context. I'm looking at, I'm cross-referencing the history of it, you know? And then in the midst of it, like I'm having people come into my life who are like desiring more, like, um, desiring a more knowledge about scripture. So then I'm like helping other people. So, and like really teaching is the greatest form of learning. So like now I'm teaching other people, which is challenging me to read what I'm reading from a different level of observation. And I'm starting to read these scriptures that were used as a way to hold me into a certain belief, like going to church, forsake not the assembly, um, forsake not the assembly of yourself, I can't remember the full scripture, but that, that scripture is always used to talk about, we should always go to church. Well, I'm looking at the scripture and I'm looking at it, the context, why, it, why is this person saying it? Who's saying it? Who is he saying it to? And when I use that, I was like, okay, well, that's not what this is saying. <laughs> we use it. And if you use it just as that, that as standalone, it becomes a very powerful manipulative tactic, right? Um, so many scriptures that were just used as standalone and without looking at it from the entire context, I felt like I had built my life around pieces of information and just taking them as these are a hundred percent truths. Nothing can be, 
Nothing can be different about them. And if you challenged it, it was always, well, you're just trying to use the Bible to live how you want to live. Um, yeah, isn't that what we're all doing? Aren't we all just taking words and then using those words, filtering those words through our own, through our own intellect, through our own experiences, through our own perceptions, all of it. And even if I'm not doing that for me, I'm allowing somebody else to do that. Because when they're telling me something, they're saying, well, God said this to me. Okay, well, that's good. That's good that, that that's your experience with it. But I can read something and have a totally different experience with it. That's the beauty of this is that it's a spirituality is a personal experience, a personal relationship. So my journey through that looked different from anyone else's because at the end, <laughs> towards the end before I, before I left that religious environment, this will stick with me forever. I remember going into the church building and knowing probably within 10 minutes that this was the last time I was going to go into a church building for a while, maybe ever. I don't know. I went in and I sat down and I thought, this environment has become toxic to me. And if I stay in this environment, I'm going to die. The real Amy, the authentic version of myself, is going to die here. And I'm going to have to continue to perpetuate this version of Amy that everyone else is comfortable with until I lose myself. Because I had already realized to a huge extent that I had lost myself in it. Um, and a huge part of that was when I wrote and self-published my first book, which I'll tell you the story at another time. But while I'm in that, when I'm in the church and I make the decision that like internally I made it, I walked out, I called my sister and I said, I'll never return. I feel it. It's time. And of course, to a lot of people's shock, that was just my resolute decision. And I started going back through my history and thinking about how many times I had come to that point, but I had gotten too scared and I stayed. And instead of like, it wasn't even that I just stayed. It was like, I jumped in even heavier. Cause I was like, Oh my God, these thoughts, these are of the devil. Let me go the opposite direction. Let me get more. Let me give more of my time. Let me study longer. Let me, let me give up more. I'm not, I'm not doing enough. It's not enough. Let me go. And it was like the more and more I gave, the more I lost myself and the more unhappy and depressed and like overwhelmed I felt in that environment. And um, I remember the first Sunday I didn't go to church. So that was a Thursday when I decided enough is enough. So that next Sunday I wasn't going to church. And this is 33 years of mental emotional, spiritual, conditioning, control. And now for the first Sunday, I'm deciding not to go to church and I'm not sick. I don't have like work or another like obligation that makes it impossible for me not to go to church, which was very rare. I'm just not going to church. And this is like huge because you don't just do that. If you're sick, you need to go to church and have people pray for you. If you're sad, if you're tired, well, you still go to work. You got to go to church. So I go to this, um, I go to this outdoor 
um, I don't want to say outdoor. It's it's a it's a nature trail. One of my favorite nature trails in Clarksville, Tennessee, which is where I was living. Um, Dunbar Cave. That's what it's called. I almost forgot. So I'm I'm walking, and um, I took my Bible with me, which I had been doing for a year at that point. I just kept going to like outdoor places where I would read my Bible and like really try to like understand what was going on with my life because it's like it's this struggle of like feeling a shift but being so afraid of that shift because you know what that shift means it's like am i really about to do this so i um i come out the other side of this nature trail and i'm walking with my bible i'm just breathing and just like kind of whispering prayers like what am i doing god what is this and i come out the other side of the trail and there's this like big hill so i sit on the hill and um, I open the Bible and I start reading um, in the book of Exodus. So in the book of Exodus, it's talking about Moses. And it's the part where Moses is instructed by God to go up and God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. And Moses has this like amazing spiritual experience and God tells Moses, okay, now I want you to go down to the children of Israel who are waiting and I want you to bring them up to this mountain so that I can, I can teach them so I can give them the 10 commandments as well. So Moses goes down the mountain, comes to the children of Israel and he's like, Hey, like God really wants to teach you. He really wants, you know, he has something to say to you, but we need to go up to this mountain. And the children of Israel are like, hell no. <laughs> I like to think that that's what they said. They were like, hell no, Moses. Do you see that mountain? It's really scary. God's voice sounds scary. We don't want to go. That's hard. That's hard to do. So we'll tell you what, Moses. So you go up and get what you need and then come back, come back down and you teach us because that'll be easier. Um, and that's what Moses did. And that for the first time in my life, I read it. And it was like this aha moment. And the aha moment was, oh, that was not the intent. Like, that wasn't God's intention initially. His intention was not for Moses to teach. His intention was for him to teach directly to the children of Israel. But because the children of Israel didn't want to take the journey to learn from God, they had a go-between. And I closed my Bible and I just sat in that thought for a minute. And I saw myself in that, right? Because real, true, Genuine spiritual connection is personal, just like any relationship is personal. And I started thinking about it this way. If I'm, if I'm starting a relationship with someone, and let's say it's a love relationship, I'm starting an intimate relationship with someone, and instead of me getting to know that person, instead of me going directly to that person, I have a go-between. And I always consult that go-between. And I'm like, hey, um, what does what does he like? Like, what does he what does he enjoy? 
What should I, what should I do to love him? And I'm, I'm going to the go-between. Instead of going directly to the person I love, I am just keep talking to this go-between. What do you think I should say to him? How, do, how does he like me to spend time with him, right? And you spend so much time talking to this go-between instead of going directly to that person. And this go-between now becomes the person you're having a relationship with. It's not the, it's not the, the love that, it's not the, your lover, it's the person in between. And I felt like in the religious environment, all of us get this to varying degrees, but because I was born into it, that was like a, I was in a fucking arranged marriage. And I curse. That's just so you know. Should have said that at the beginning. I was in a fucking arranged marriage. So when I was when I was put into it, and, and I want to say this so clearly. First of all, if you have pushback, totally fine. Um, but I want to reiterate, your experience is not my experience. And as much as I value your life and your journey, I'm hoping that you do the same for me. But in my experience, the people in my life, they didn't allow me to have a relationship, to go on my own spiritual journey. My spiritual journey was mapped out for me from day one. So it's like from day one, Amy, um, I'd like to introduce you to God. Um, this is who God is. This is what God likes. This is how God likes you to look and dress. And God loves you unconditionally unless you do these things. And if you do these things, he will distance himself from you. He won't speak to you anymore. In fact, actually, you were born really filthy and gross and God can't even get close to you. So you need to change everything about yourself so that God can love you. But remember, his love is unconditional. From a brain that's just developing, right, from a child, that fucks you up. That shit it doesn't logically connect, right? So I and I saw a lot of these inconsistencies growing up, which is like, wait, I thought you said that, like, I thought you said God loved me unconditionally, but I'm sitting in a meeting right now with all the leaders that I love and respect who told me that the fact that they could see the shadow of my breasts from my shirt, that I am, I am making all of my brethren go home and masturbate to the shadow of my breast, and that makes me a Jezebel. But God loves me unconditionally, and there's nothing that I can do to not receive his love unless I stop going to this church and I start wearing whatever I wear and making whatever decisions I'm making. Then God will be angry at me, and as much as he doesn't want to, he will send me to hell for an eternity. It just wasn't connected. It just did not. I had way too many questions. It didn't make sense. So it was like, from a, from a young age, right? You're given a go-between and that go-between is elevated as God. I don't, it does not matter the words that are said. I'm looking at actions. So as much as people can say that man is human on the platform, I was taught that you respect that position. You don't ever say anything poorly about them, even if you are justified, even if you're just holding them accountable to a position, you cannot, you will be demonized, right? And that's a big part of control. So while I'm reading this, I'm thinking, how many Moseses have I incorporated into my life? How many people have I invited into this relationship? Quote, unquote. 
because I don't feel like I've heard from God or I know God or I even know what my spiritual experience has been like because all of my experiences have been through people. And even though we're told it's not about people, it's not about, but, but our lives are set up to be about people and be centered around people, especially whoever's on the platform. So when I read that, and after I closed my Bible and had the acknowledgement of my entire spiritual life and my entire life has been centered around somebody else's experience and somebody else's interpretation and somebody else's insecurities. And they've also, it's just a repeated pattern, right? Like one person preaches it like this because they heard it preached like that. Then the next person preaches it like that because they heard it from that. And it just becomes cyclical. And I was just tired of it. So I thought, I'm going to go to ground level. And ground level means that I am going to believe nothing. And I'm going to start from there. And in my belief of nothing, I'm going to decide what do I believe and why do I believe it? And I'm going to personally connect to that. Not because somebody told me, not because I'm in a, a, a church service and somebody's teaching and preaching with such conviction. And this doesn't just happen in church. Like I can go to a, like I went to a Tony Robbins event one time, very, very much like church. You get up, you jump up and down, the music is fast, the energy's going, you get like your emotions start moving, right? And that's really where we make decisions. That's really where we build a life is on our emotions and not on our logic. If you can make me feel something, that's why I'll drink Kool-Aid laced with cyanide because you made me feel something. So I thought I'm detaching from this. I'm detaching from these beliefs and I am deciding, first of all, who is Amy? Second of all, what does Amy believe? Third of all, how does Amy want to live her life? Because it's my life. It's your life. And you all, like, for all we know, we only get one of these. If we get more, then we won't find out until after we die. So you only get, like, a shot to be, I only get this shot to be this Amy, to, to live in this way. So, like, how do I want to live it? Because at the end of the day, like, I'm fucking painting a masterpiece and the masterpiece looks like shit because it's got my mom's voice, it's got my dad's, my sister, my brother, and an entire fucking organization of people who tell me, Amy, your spiritual journey is not your own, it's ours. We're putting our stamp on it and all you have to do is follow this formula and thus you will reach eternal life. Well, I already tried that and it almost killed me. Not physically, but everything that was inside of me, my passion, my love, my um, my intuition, my own voice, my own fucking free will, the best thing that we've ever been given in life, free will. I couldn't use it in that environment. So 2016, May, May of 2016 is when I stopped going. And from that point forward, I lost everything. I lost everything. Because when you decide to free your story, when you decide to 
no longer give everyone else access to the written word of your life and you tell everybody else, put the fucking pens down and get out, dismissed. And you stop being a character in your story and you start being the author of your story, people will not be happy. I'm gonna tell you that right off. People will tell you you're wrong, you're crazy. They'll tell you they're disappointed in you. They'll break your heart. They'll abandon you. They'll reject you. It's a nightmare. And I don't want to sugarcoat it to say it any different. It takes you to ground zero. But then the most beautiful part happens after that, which is where you get to rebuild. That's always the beauty after destruction is that you get to clear it out and you get to build on a foundation that you want to build. So everything about my life right now is a build in the way that I want to build and also a reclaiming. There's a scripture in the Bible, and it's so interesting how much scriptures have resurfaced through this real rebuilding process. The scriptures have come back not to make me feel guilty or condemn me. They come back to show me that nothing in my life has ever been wasted. So um, I was thinking of the scripture, and it essentially just talks about God restoring the years that have been taken from you. And I always tell people, I feel like I'm Benjamin buttoning my life. I feel like I feel younger than I've ever felt before. And I feel like the things that I wasn't able to experience at a certain age, I'm now able to experience. And one of the major things is my, my taste for adventure and spontaneity. At such a young age, I felt it at such a young age, but I gave away that freedom. I gave away my right for adventure and my right to live my life however I wanted to live it. I gave it away. And now that I've reclaimed it, I think, I don't want to wait another minute. I want to live out my life exactly how I want to live it. So thus this journey. Um, thus me deciding I want to travel because it's something that I've wanted to do for so much of my life. And the drastic measures that I took were for a number of reasons, but one of the major reasons was like, I, I wanted to just jump into it. And that's just who I am. It's like when I get passionate about something, I don't do it in like little portions. I'm like, oh, let me go to 10. I could start at one and progress to 10, but let's just go to 10. So I um, got rid of my apartment, got rid of my things. Um, this is Marley barking in the background. Um, she's ever present with us. And now I'm on my journey. And I'm hoping that this podcast becomes something where I can share my stories with you, um, but also share things that I'm learning along the way because a lot of this is a healing journey for me. I did a lot of healing right after I left the church when I went to therapy and it was very much conscious level healing um, the adult version of Amy healing so much that was just like immediate and there. But now I feel like I'm being led into a much deeper subconscious level of healing and it has been blowing my mind. So it's things that I want to share as I'm going along my journey um, and also wow. wanting to hear about your journey as well. So thank you for joining me on this very first episode and I look forward to the episodes to come and the things that we start talking about and hopefully 
this gives you the um, the permission to free your own story because the most powerful thing that we have is our story and the ability to write it in the exact way that we want to write it because when you free your story you free your life i'll see you guys next time <laughs>